Moby Dick, or The Whale, by Herman Melville. Chapter 107. The Carpenter. Seat thyself sultanically among the moons of Saturn, and take high abstracted man alone, and he seems a wonder, a grandeur, and a woe. But from the same point, take mankind in mass, and for the most part, they seem a mob of unnecessary duplicates, both contemporary and hereditary. But most humble though he was, and far from furnishing an example of the high humane abstraction, the Pequod's carpenter was no duplicate. Hence, he now comes in person on this stage. Like all seagoing ship carpenters, and more especially those belonging to whaling vessels, he was, to a certain off-handed practical extent, alike experienced in numerous trades and callings collateral to his own, the carpenter's pursuit being the ancient and outbranching trunk of all those numerous handicrafts which more or less have to do with wood as an auxiliary material. But besides the application to him of the generic remark above, this carpenter of the Pequod was singularly efficient in those thousand nameless mechanical emergencies continually recurring in a large ship upon a three or four years' voyage in uncivilised and far distant seas. For not to speak of his readiness in ordinary duties, repairing stove boats, sprung spars, reforming the shape of clumsy bladed oars, inserting bullseyes into the deck or new tree nails in the side planks, and other miscellaneous matters more directly pertaining to his special business. He was, moreover, unhesitatingly expert in all manner of conflicting aptitudes, both useful and capricious. The one grand stage where he enacted all his various parts so manifold was his vice bench, a long, rude, ponderous table furnished with several vices of different sizes, and both of iron and of wood. At all times, except when whales were alongside, this bench was securely lashed athwart ships against the rear of the triworks. A belaying pin is found too large to be easily inserted into its hole. The carpenter claps it into one of his ever-ready vices and straightaway files it smaller. A lost landbird of strange plumage strays on board and is made a captive. Out of clean-shaved rods of right whalebone and crossbeams of sperm whale ivory, the carpenter makes a pagoda-looking cage for it. An oarsman sprains his wrist. The carpenter concocts a soothing lotion. Stubb longed for vermilion stars to be painted upon the blade of his every oar. Screwing each oar into the vice of wood, the carpenter symmetrically supplies the constellation. A sailor takes a fancy to wear sharkbone earrings. The carpenter drills his ears. Another has the toothache. The carpenter outpincers and clapping one hand upon his bench bids him be seated there. But the poor fellow unmanageably winces under the unconcluded operation. Whirling round the handle of his wooden vice, the carpenter signs him to clap his jaw in that if he would have him draw the tooth. Thus the carpenter was prepared at all points, and alike indifferent and without respect in all. Teeth he accounted bits of ivory, heads he deemed but top blocks, men themselves he likely held for capstans. But while now upon so wide a field thus variously accomplished, and with such liveliness of expertness in him too, all this would seem to argue some uncommon vivacity of intelligence but not precisely so. For nothing was this man more remarkable than for a certain impersonal stolidity, as it were. Impersonal, I say, for it so shaded off into the surrounding infinite of things that it seemed one with the general stolidity discernible in the whole visible world, which, while pauselessly active in uncounted modes, still eternally holds its peace and ignores you, though you dig foundations for cathedrals. Yet was this half-horrible stolidity in him involving too, as it appeared, an all-ramifying heartlessness? Yet was it oddly dashed at times with an old, 
crutch-like, and to Deluvian wheezing humorousness, not unstreaked now and then with a certain grizzled wittiness, such as might have served to pass the time during the midnight watch on the bearded forecastle of Noah's Ark. Was it that this old carpenter had been a lifelong wanderer, whose much rolling to and fro not only had gathered no moss, but what is more, had rubbed off whatever small outward clingings might have originally pertained to him? He was a stripped abstract, an unfractioned integral, uncompromised as a newborn babe, living without premeditated reference to this world or the next. You might almost say that this strange uncompromisedness in him involved a sort of unintelligence, for in his numerous trades he did not seem to work so much by reason or by instinct, or simply because he had been tutored to it, or by any intermixture of these, even or uneven, but merely by a kind of deaf and dumb spontaneous literal process. He was a pure manipulator, his brain, if he had ever had one, must have early oozed along into the muscles of his fingers. He was like one of those unreasoning, but still highly useful, multum in parvo. Sheffield contrivances, assuming the exterior, though a little swelled, of a common pocket knife, but containing not only blades of various sizes, but also screwdrivers, corkscrews, tweezers, awls, pens, rulers, nail filers and countersinks. So, if his superiors wanted to use the carpenter for a screwdriver, all they had to do was open that part of him, and the screw was fast. Or if for tweezers, take him up by the legs, and there they were. Yet, as previously hinted, this omni-tooled, open-and-shut carpenter was, after all, no mere machine of an automaton. If he did not have a common soul in him, he had a subtle something that somehow anomalously did its duty. What that was, whether essence of quicksilver, or a few drops of hartshorn, there is no telling, but there it was, and there it had abided now for some sixty years or more. And this it was, this same unaccountable cunning life principle in him, this it was, that kept him a great deal of the time soliloquising, but only like an unreasoning wheel, which also hummingly soliloquises. Or rather, his body was a sentry box, and this soliloquizer on guard there, talking all the time to keep himself awake.' 